Cougs house. All right. So the Houston Cougars fall 41 to nothing to Kansas State and get shut out for the first time since 2000. How many listeners are younger than that right now? You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach Parker Andrew, with a breakdown all things Cougs, if you're a U of H fan, or just a hater who wants to buy, or someone who had nothing else to do on Saturday Night Live. Um, oh, nope. I guess I want to intend to be a show reference there. Um, as we are doing Cougars After Dark Live, after all the things have ended on Saturday, uh, be sure to subscribe down below that we can lay us on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. Um, or I guess in this case, maybe your last listen. I don't know what other listens you got after 10 o'clock at night. Um, Thank you all again. Remember, we're doing giveaway over 250 subscribers. It is currently at 1660. That means the next one is 1750. So hit the subscribe. Let's get there. Like and comment on the episodes to let us know you are in the contest. If you are younger than 23 years old, tell us uh, hmm, how much younger because it's been 23 years since Houston got shut out. If you were cognizant of Houston Cougar football when the last time they got shut out back in 2000 was, tell us where you were back in the day now we are going to talk some about the football game i've got a couple segments planned to talk about that because it's i think the most front of mind even though it was earlier in the day um yeah it it, it football will always be front of mind but it's also i think even as whatever your expectations were i think it was the lowest of the of those and i think it also probably might have been the biggest shock to the system in a lot of ways we'll talk about that for a couple segments by doing a wrap and in on a high note and that is the basketball program they had an exhibition game today against UNC Pembroke, which is important to this pro- to our program for a number of ways. Um, let's just open. Let's get, get into. It. I don't know how to talk about this football game. Um, Houston was shut out forty-one to nothing. It was the first time since two thousand. That was the forty-eight to nothing game against Texas uh, UT Austin. It was uh, Dana's first shutout. I have since twenty thirteen. I think he's in the post game presser since twenty fourteen. Uh, in twenty thirteen, he got shut out by Maryland. 37 to nothing. So all, it, it's important to note that I think because like he is supposed to be an offensive guy, you would think that he could score some points. Um, lowest individual passing yardage since uh, nine years ago. The Greg Ward played like a swamp game or like it was a crazy raining game. Um, didn't have that many passing yards today. Uh, individually, Donald Smith had 88 passing yards. They had, uh, what was it? Th- uh, three drives of negative yardage. Um, no drive was more than 32 yards. Um, just oh, and a drive of zero yards, so four drives for zero or less yards. Um, just, just, just an abysmal day for a football game. Now, I have to this okay, this one made me laugh. Um, uh, Raposo, am I saying that correct? Yeah, Raposo, I can't read that from here, but uh, said that it looked like TCU versus Georgia. That was fine and dandy. I think the thing that, that I'm feeling about this football game that I think a lot of people I'm saying are chiming in as well is Kansas State's a very good football team. Big 12 champion a year ago. I feel after watching them play throughout the week, get ready for this game and watching this game, fairly confident that they have a real shot at repeating that this year, right? They lost a 
end of the game chaos uh, with a long field, crazy long field goal to Missouri. Uh, they lost a weird game because the Big 12 was weird earlier. Uh, if they beat Texas next weekend, there's no reason to me that they don't win the Big 12 again. Kansas State's very, very good. Right, very, very good. I'm not necessarily upset that we got one in the loss column. I'm upset with the way it looked. I'm upset with the way it got there. I'm upset with how the game played out because, frankly, it was a chance to like show some guts on the road uh, to kind of build off the momentum you had in the Texas game and move forward and continue to build this program forward. And, frankly, just putting up some touchdowns, even if it was after you got hit in the mouth, after you were down 21 nothing or whatever, just finding some momentum while all the starters were on the field, or even in this game, I guess, once they were down to the third-string quarterback, would have been kind of nice. Now, statistically, we point out, Donovan Smith had his, I'll comfortably say, worst game in a Houston Cougar uniform. Um, I didn't watch every game of his at Tech, obviously. Um, just not his best day. 88 yards, uh, did throw a pick, no touchdowns, 13 of 28. Um, I'm not great at math. That's less than 50% completions. Um, on the ground, Parker Jenkins had 56 yards on 12 carries. Um, that's f- just over four and a half yards per carry. It's not terrible. I think the interesting thing is, is you know, he had like a couple of big runs, like a 10-yard here and a 17 there, and then it felt like he got nothing after that. Um, we did get to see Uiel, uh, ULA, and he he hmm, he was back a quarterback looking uh, when he was out there. Receivers didn't help with drop balls. Quarterbacks didn't throw, help with overthrown balls. We have a Kansas State fan chiming in, with actually segmenting me very nicely, saying that uh, he was there today and it was very cold. I wonder how much that affected those Texas boys. I think the other thing, too, to this Kansas State pod tuning in here is, truthfully, Houston has relied heavily. Uh, well, we got a new offensive line coach, and while we wanted to build in the run game, why well, love Parker Jenkins as a running back? Um, when Houston's been rolling, it's because they've been passing the football well, and they were clearly impacted in the past game. I mean, there were several plays. I made a joke on Twitter that one of Donovan Smith's throws to Sam Brown's sideline was so high in the air. I don't think one Benyama could have caught it, the center for the Spurs from France, right? Like, I, I don't think, I don't think that things are sinking and clicking. I think the weather absolutely has something to do with that. And I, and this is all momentum reading, cliche kind of stuff, but I will say I was hoping to build off of Texas momentum. I was hoping to say, you know what, after that first quarter, you got hit in the mouth by Texas, you built it back up, you came out fine, things went rolling, things were good, right? You frankly, you feel kind of cheated out of the end of that game. That's all fine and dandy and all true. But also, what I think looks like actually happened is they had an emotional game with a Hail Mary win where they frankly thought they lost and blown it to West Virginia. Then they had an emotional game against a, you know, 30 years ago, we'd call it a rival because of the old Southwest Conference days with Texas. Field cheated into that one, frankly, poured everything into that, had a crazy atmosphere in Houston. That was awesome atmosphere, all that kind of stuff, right? And then to turn around and then a week later play your first out-of-state game in the season, only your second or so uh, true road game of the season. Um, Big 12 champ coming off Big 12 championship, 11 a.m. kick. It didn't end up raining and getting muddy and all that, but the weather was supposed to be terrible and it ended up being pretty cold. All those things factored in, it felt like to kind of have this ultimate energy let down where I was hoping to build on things, right? And I, I I guess that I don't mean that to like excuse things. I feel like I'm just trying to explain like that's what it looked like happened out there. Now, 
I I don't have the analytics in front of me. Those took it and calculated with people with smarter than me with big fancy calculators. But I do think on the whole, if you look at this, it did not look like there was a whole lot of energy from the guys on the field. And two of the handful of guys you'd look for for that energy were notably not there. Um, you had uh, Nelson Caesar. Apparently, we found in the post game had some sort of a Sounds somewhat minor, but he didn't even make the trip out uh, injury on Tuesday's practice. Uh, Nelson Caesar obviously leads the team in sacks, this big time energy guy, um, and frankly, a leader on this football team. He was not able to even make the trip, let alone help out on the football field today. Joseph Manjack found us still in the concussion protocol after the, I'll say it, dirty hit he took last week in the Texas game. Um, so obviously that hurts. He's been a fairly consistent wideout. He also has, con- you know, Seems to be a wideout that makes a energy type of play each week, even in weeks that things don't go our way, right? So those kinds of things obviously hurt Houston a lot. Um, and while I, I could come up with a bunch of different, you know, well, they should have done this, they should have done that, like energy and momentum, those things are also like not necessarily tangible, but also very, very real. And I want to talk about more tangible things that did happen in this game in a second. Um, but we do need to talk about oh, this felt like it was near a football game um, because it did not feel like one of the two teams showed up to play. We do need to talk about something that is near beer, and that is athletic brewing because athletic brewing is your number one spot to go to for non-alcoholic brews, and you can use code Locked On for 15% off your first order. Um, now, I wouldn't have drank this up there today, although maybe to stay warm, I would have had like a stout or something. I really love the alcohol, the athletic brewing's non-alcoholic sour when it's a hot Texas day. Put that in the fridge, put it in the freezer for a hot second, and then take it out, crack it open. It's nice and crisp and cool, uh, really refreshing on a hot Texas day. And you can get 15% off your first order at athleticbrewing.com using code Locked On to change the game up with a near beer. They have, you can have as many as you want. You can take them to the park and take them to your kids' game. You can do whatever you want with these things. They're tremendous and a ton of fun, and they taste just like alcoholic beer themselves. They have all kinds of different contests they want to place ahead of actual craft beers and breweries check out athleticbrewing.com use code locked on for 15 percent off your first order now i have to say when i look at others i said i don't have the analytics i'm looking at stats I'm looking at tangible things that happened um i said coming into the week that houston had to find some way to keep Kansas State away from running behind the left guard the left guard had a highlight play and several today really um cooper bb but Houston had trouble stopping the run in all spots of the football field. In the first quarter and a half, it felt like Kansas State was going to be running off tackle on both tackles all game long. Now, I I thought Houston looked like they sold out to stop the running in between the B gaps and thus left themselves vulnerable off the tackles. But the interesting thing to me is schematically, if they're going to play this 3 3 5 they switched to last week for the rest of the season, and they might. I. I think it says a lot about your defense if you switch defensive schemes up midseason. But, you know, um, in doing that, you shouldn't be giving up off tackles. You have a head-up player on the def- on the offensive tackle, maybe an inside gap, but still occupying the offensive tackle. And you have hang players out there in that space vacated. Like, you should be able to make those plays. And one of those guys was Nelson Caesar, and he was obviously not there. But you have bodies there that should be making plays, and they were unable to. So you gave up the edges. Cool. You then also, over the course of the game, got run over and 
looked like somewhat tired out by the size and speed of the Kansas State offensive line and started giving up the inside stuff too. Kansas State got to run the ball wherever they wanted, and I'm not so convinced that if they didn't want to pick a score, they couldn't have just said, hey, we want to score 52 today and found a way to get to 52. Now, I I said all that, and I said the thing I was worried about coming into the game was schematically, as I like to talk about, um, I thought what Kansas State was doing with two quarterbacks and the two-quarterback system was challenging because of how different the two skill sets were. I mean, Will Howard was 12 of 12 to start the game today. He ended up like 15 of 17 on the day. Um, I He had that with the like fire and uh, thunder and lightning or whatever with he and Avery Johnson. They didn't have to ever go to Avery Johnson. They did because they wanted to. They didn't ever have to go to him in the course of this game, which I think ultimately means that like they never felt like they had to play that card on the table which is interesting as well. Um, the ultimate like could have shifted moment in this game, could have stolen some of that energy and maybe helped the, like at least look passable as a football team. Um, in the first, I think it was first drive of the football game. Uh, someone commented as well. I think yeah, first drive of the football game, um, Houston gets to a third and 15. It uh, looks like they're going to do, you know, get off the football field. Can't say it's not known for big pass plays. Uh, this is, you know, momentum should be swing back Houston's way to open up the game. Uh, all, and it was the first drive. So you get the ball back on the first drive. You can potentially go make score, score the first touchdown. And instead they give up a 23 yard pass. Now I'm not saying there's a whole lot of film, frankly, on Kansas state throwing third and 15 type pass plays because they don't get there very often. I'm not saying that there's a whole lot of scouting to have been done, but they don't get there very often. And they're also not very good at the downfield stuff. So that was a really big backbreaker. Um, they would give up other big plays the course of the game. I don't mean to say that they weren't ever going to do that, but it was really, really porous uh, for a defense that, frankly, it, they never took anything away. They never took anything away that Kansas State tried to do. Um, on Monday's episode, we'll talk more as far as exactly, you know, this many percentage of the yardage came off this, and uh, you know, they ran behind this guy or that, those kind of things, but... Right now, all we know is that uh, with the basic stats and the basic things in front of us and having watched the football game, I don't know what you could say the defense did particularly well. I mean, I guess they don't have a ton of missed tackles, but they weren't 100% there either, right? Like the, there's just There was a lot of flaws in this defense, and we've seen Houston Cougars win bad defensive games in the last few years, certainly in the Dana Holgerson era, um, although he is barely over 500 these days after another rough season so far. Um, but what we have not seen is unfortunately them also not score. And, and that back and forth was pretty, pretty painful. I don't necessarily know what I could argue they did well in offense. I will say, I don't know why they went away from mesh and crossers. Maybe it had to do with time to throw, um, but mesh and crossers, all those kinds of things over the middle were just not in the playbook because Joseph Manjack wasn't there. That doesn't seem right. Um, you know, Boogie Johnson had a scary hit at the one point in the game, but I thought if we're going to use him and Dalton Carnes to replace Joseph Manjack, we might have seen more of their speed on display. We didn't really get to see that over the course of the game. Now, we got one commenter asking, can Houston beat Baylor? And before I segue into basketball for the third and final segment, um, and I'm not done with football, I guess. We'll talk, obviously, about this on um, Monday and Tuesday and so on, but the Big 12 did have an interesting day. Baylor lost to Iowa State, and Baylor, frankly, I guess they lost. It looks like the final score was 12, but that game was not a 12-point game. That game uh, did end up being a 12-point game, I should say. did not feel like a 12-point game, 
by any stretch. Baylor and Houston are Baylor is by far the worst incumbent team in the conference. So Houston's got a real shot in that one next week. It's on ESPN Plus. We've been demoted to ESPN Plus, but you can find that next week. I believe is at like uh, was it two thirty? I saw somewhere. Anyway, ESPN Plus next week. Um, West Virginia beat the breaks off Central Florida. Uh, Oklahoma State beat Cincinnati, or is beating presently Cincinnati. Obviously, we lost our game. And Texas, with their backup quarterback, beat BYU. So the new schools had a rough go of it, to say the least. Um, somewhat predictable. I will say, like, Houston hung tighter with Texas, right? Houston beat West Virginia. So you could argue they're having like a slightly better than the other new schools kind of week. But the game of the week in the Big 12 is going to end up coming down to Kansas beating Oklahoma. You could theoretically, if Kansas State beats Texas next week, somehow finagle your way into after tiebreakers and things like that weirdly get to a Kansas first Kansas state big 12 title game, which would drive those soon to be Southeastern folks nuts. Um, that would make me a little happy in a year that Houston football has done very little to do that. Um, last bow in the football game and things I'm going to continue to investigate as we get towards Monday's episode on football and recap the game with more stats in front of us are um, where exactly were breakdowns and pass protection. That felt like to me live, like, um, he had time to throw, but guys weren't open, creating separation. Um, and so thus, he got hit in the backfield. Donovan Smith got hit in the backfield a lot. Um, if the time to throw was lower than I felt like it was live, maybe that's not the case. We'll see. Things I also want to see are, um, it felt like, like I said, Kansas State could run the ball wherever they wanted to, however they wanted to. I assume that's going to be the case when I check the analytics as far as what Lyman got run behind the most and those kinds of things on uh, from Monday's episode. But if not you got to stop something, man. You got to find the defense, stop something, put something in the hole. Um, last but not least, and we may investigate this week. I have a lot of people commenting on this or on Twitter, about when is enough enough? Um, this is abysmal. I think the interesting thing is we're all sitting around saying, if you lost Kansas State, it wouldn't be in the deal, but is being unable to motivate and energize and get ready to play against Kansas state and being down 41, nothing or losing 41, nothing, a fireable offense. I I told you on an episode earlier this year, I don't think it happens this offseason. I think he's here for another year. Thought I laid out some decent reasons why you can go check that out back in the catalog. I will say that there have been moments this season where we did not look, even as someone who was as like even keeled as on the season as I was, um, did not look ready to go. Saturday, October 28th, 11 a.m., the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, Houston flat out was not ready to go. And at some point, that's the job, right? Um, rough, rough goal. But now I want to switch to talk about a team that won today, um, the team that looks good, to say the least. Um, and I think it's worth pointing out that, you know, um, I don't know. I think that the basketball team is going to be really good this year. But anyway, before we get too far along, we got to make sure we talk about our buddies at Prize Picks because Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. You can go on there and win yourself. You can say, screw this cougar thing and go win all the stuff you want to all football season long. You can win up to 25 times your money back. You can test your skills and knowledge by just going over and under at various stats and profits and things like that. The cool thing about prize picks and the thing that makes them the number one daily fantasy sports book is that they have this prize picks reboot policy where your entries your entries will stay in play even if 
one of your players gets injured. NFL and college football games. If you have a player exits the game in the first half and does not return, what if your players never show up in the, in the whole game at all? They just don't show up. Not, not, not the same thing. Okay, cool. But if your players get hurt in the first half and don't show up in the second half, your player gets rebooted, and PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports app with that kind of injury insurance. Go to prizepix.com slash college and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for our first deposit match up to $100. prizepix.com slash college. Use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepix.com. All right. I do want to transition to talk some about the basketball game because part of the reason I'm going late today is because it's Cougars at dark. We're not going to go before dark, but also um, I want a chance to, once we put my four and a half month old down, that kind of stuff to actually watch the second half of the basketball game. Um, Houston, if you were too caught up in the football game or just not in a good mood enough, didn't want to watch sports afterwards. Houston had an exhibition matchup with UNC Pembroke uh, at the Fertina Center on Saturday. Uh, I believe tip off at three o'clock. Three o'clock? Yeah, three o'clock. Um, so it started shortly after the football game was over. Um, UNC Pembroke, you'll recognize because that's where uh, Coach Kelvin Sampson went to went to school, met his wife. He talks a lot about that region and part of the world and how that ties to his life. Kind of a cool moment for him to get to put that program on the national stage that he's got in Houston too. Uh, I know he, he spoke in the post game about how like that was a cool thing and an important thing because that school represents so much to that community. Um, in this game, Houston started with, uh, no, since Damian Dunn still hurt, uh, they started with Jamal Shedd, LJ Cryer, Emmanuel Sharp, Jawan Roberts and Javier Francis. Um, LJ Cryer led the way with 21 points. Uh, he can, if you're you know tuning into Houston for the first time, didn't watch Baylor at all last year, he can really stink and shoot. What stuck out to me about watching him shoot was he makes difficult shots look easy, like catching and shooting really quickly without a whole lot of you know time spent. Um, really, really quick release and the same crisp release even when it's sped up and quick. Um, I also thought I'm watching the starters move around that Emmanuel Sharp is moving very, very well. You remember in his senior year of high school, he was a class 2022 kid, but in his senior year of high school, he had a crazy bad leg break, leg injury, lower leg injury. So he actually transferred or like graduated high school early and came to Houston as a air quotes redshirt freshman in what would have been a senior year of high school. Last year was his redshirt freshman year, but really his true freshman year. Uh, and he was still like, Frankly, he came in the season a little bit heavier than he probably needed to when he was still moving around and kind of getting in shape over the course of the season because he was less than a year removed from that crazy bad leg injury. Totally understandable. I think he looks like he's moving really, really well right now. Um, he's one of Houston's key shooters. He's going to play a big role this season. Um, I don't know if he'll start when da- Damian Dunn is back. I don't know how they'll start. All the guards they've got, um, they got a lot of backcourt talent, man, a lot of backcourt talent. But Sharp plays an important role in this team. They're really important to see moving forward i like javier francis at the four i think um javier francis at the four so the way i put this in my notes here is he sees the floor and passes like a talented power forward right season passes like a four does some of his offensive skill sets outside of that though very much still feel like a center and so finding that balance of how much of he gets how much he plays at the two different positions will be important, but obviously with Javier Francis, Jawan Robertson's up playing a lot more of that four spot. And that's going to be, I think, important down the line, how much they get to play back and forth. Um, now, the guy that comes in when they're trying to change that is the freshman JoJo Tugler. And I'm telling you, 
this dude is the real stinking deal. I don't know if he's quite a one-and-done freshman like Jarrett Walker was, and frankly, that could be better for Houston in the long run, but JoJo JoJo Tugler was like built in a lab to play for Kelvin Sampson. 6'8 and change, 6'9, crazy long arms, incredibly high motor. Uh, in 19 minutes, he had 13 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 blocks. That's the second highest point mark on the game, though, for Houston uh, in just 19 minutes. Both of the other freshmen that suited up got less than five minutes. Um, frankly, got like seven minutes combined. Um, second most points of the team for JoJo Tugler. He was also the first sub in off the bench. He's going to be an important key part of this basketball team. He's a Houston area kid too, so he got to got to got to love that. The inbounds alley pass was sweet. It was really really fun play. Uh, again, that's the kind of energy, motor, length, athleticism. Insert your cliche word to describe how crazy gifted this kid is. Um, that's the kind of play we're talking about here. That's the kind of athlete we're talking about here. He's gonna be a ton of fun. Another high flyer I think is gonna be really important. Um, I think these two guys are both really important actually to his team, and they both came off the bench in this game because of how crazy deep the Houston Cougars are at guard. But Malik Wilson and Terrence Arsenault um, got 20 and 19 minutes respectively, but when they're on the floor, the length those two guys play with, the athleticism that Malik brings, the toughness that Terrence brings, that's a really good defensive backcourt duo. Um Terrence had three rebounds, two steals, and seven points. Uh, Malik had seven rebounds, steal, and two blocks. Uh, They're all over the floor doing all kinds of things. Uh, Malik was registered last year. Terrence was a freshman, but played very much freshman minutes for Kelvin last year. So it's going to be kind of a new look when they bring those guys off the bench to play defense together. But it adds a different dimension because Jamal and LJ are tremendous, and Jamal is one of the best point guards in America, if not the best point guard in America, right? Um, Play 6'1". Uh, LJ Cryer is incredible score, incredible shooter. I think he's also listed like 6'1", 6'2", right? Uh, he looks very much about the same size and height as Jamal out there. Adding Malik Wilson, Terrence Arsenal adds height, length. Incre- like it, it adds an, a dimension to this team that was kind of missing in the backward a year ago with Marcus and Jamal and Ray, even Tremont to some extent, right? Um, on that note, <laughs> Tremont... He had some big shot tonight for Arkansas, but I'm excited because it felt like the guy that got squeezed out of minutes last year was Ramon, uh, and Ramon was back and doing Ramon Walker things, diving on the floor, popping the ball out of bounds off people, all kinds of fun stuff there. Um, good to see him back. I know he went through a lot when he got kind of pushed aside last year. It was good to have him back on the floor doing Ramon Walker things. Um, he has two first-round picks next year's NBA draft team to uh, last year, Jairus Walker went eighth overall. Marcus Sasser went 25th overall. I don't know that this team has that kind of depth. What I do think it looks like is like this team has college level depth, tr- like at the guard spots as well, much as anyone in the country. I said that poorly. But what I will say, <laughs> this is a live show, so it's way it goes. Um, not having the two like soon to be NBA guys may come back and haunt you, but having so much reliable guard depth will be really, really important come March. Because in March, guards do the show. I know that UConn won last year and they had their bigs, whatever, but look at the key shots are coming from guys that are playing on the perimeter. Guards dominate in March. Houston's got a lot of guards to play all kinds of fast, high speed, high tempo 
Houston Cougar basketball for Kelvin Sampson. And their bigs, frankly, have those kinds of motives. We mentioned Tugler. We've seen Roberts. We've seen Francis. Francis and Addison to his game, too. I thought he looked very, very comfortable out there. I was, frankly, kind of happy to see, and this is me going back to the starters. When Francis starts, I get worried. When Francis plays, I get worried he's going to get in foul trouble. He, like, his fouls per minute last year was not a great ratio. That he was able to keep a clean sheet is what I have written down in my notes. But he had a clean sheet in the game and was able to play with his feet and not his hands and get hands on shots instead of on bodies. It was all really, really tremendous. My one hesitation on this basketball team, and my one thing I think they've got to find ways to improve on or find ways to play around. Houston was five, or was 10 of 25 from deep. LJ Cryer was 5 of 11 from deep. Uh, Sharp was 2 of 5. That's not a whole lot of great shooting outside those two from beyond the arc. And the three ball continues to be more and more important in basketball every single year. I worry, kind of like last year, I worry that you know the team's overall depth, because they only played six guys, really. Um, I worry that in this year's team, they got a ton of guards, they feel deep. Is shooting, shooting from deep specifically, gonna come back to haunt you because Last year, Marcus Tremont did their thing. And frankly, Jairus could stretch the floor at the four, right? This year, I worry that not having really that many, I'll say pure shooters on the team, that many guys that like that's what they do. They got guys that can get hot. Jamal can get hot, right? Terrence can get hot. But they got LJ and uh, Emmanuel. And then the shooting, from what I can tell, unless someone adds another game we haven't seen yet, drops off a lot. So... Can we figure something out there? Can we figure out some way to build on that or win without that? That'll be interesting to see this season. We'll be following them all season long as well as the rest of football season as I see some of you sighing right now. Uh, every day here Locked on Cougs. So thank you all so much for tuning in tonight to the live edition of Cougars After Dark or if you've got in your audio feed sometime on Sunday whenever they get put up on that as well. Thank you all again so much. So much Houston Cougar post-game content across all of the interwebs. Frankly, I enjoy it too. Go enjoy everybody's post-game stuff. But thank you for making us a part of your post-game menu. Locked on Cougs is a primary Locked on Podcast Network. And that means your team, yes, the football team too, every single day. Go Cougs.